This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you ever see a successful woman on your feed or in a magazine and think, wow, it must be nice to have it so easy? Well, think again. Behind that glossy cover or smiling face is a ton of hard work, countless failures, and endless learning experiences. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and I'm here to tell you that success isn't a walk in the park. It takes grit, resilience, and a willingness to take risks. That's why I created Superwoman, a podcast that peels back the varnish and gets into the nitty-gritty of what it takes to make it as a woman in today's world. From luminaries and game changers to women you've never heard of but should, This podcast is here to inspire you to take your next leap, no matter how daunting it may seem. We'll explore the sacrifices these women have made, the highs and lows they've experienced, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from some of the most successful women out there, join me on Superwomen. Together, we'll uncover the stories behind the successes and prove that with hard work, determination, and a little bit of luck, anything is possible. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Michelle Lee, who I had the honor of interviewing when I first started out on this podcast and probably wasn't my best interview if I'm being honest, but she was incredible. I just didn't know what I was doing. Cut to three careers later, Michelle has successfully launched her own company advising the brightest and best in beauty and beyond, Monologue. We talk about what's in her skincare routine and what she did to navigate the transition from Allure's editor-in-chief to Netflix, and now this. Take a listen. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. You were on years ago when you were still the editor-in-chief of Allure. I think you were one of my first guests. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, back when I was like reading questions off a page and like looking up (laughs) and not knowing what I was doing. Um, But I wanted to have you back because you've had such an interesting career arc. And it's not always that an editor-in-chief uh, you know, mostly known as a, a publication that's for beauty goes to Netflix, then starts monologue. So I'd love for you to tell me what the last couple of years have been like and what what made you take the leap. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me back. It's so lovely to to catch up with you. Um, it's funny, I did around that same time, probably I did Hillary Kerr's podcast, Second Life. And I've thought about that recently because at that point, I think I had a second life and maybe I'm on my third or fourth life at this (laughs) point too. Um, So yeah, so I, most of my career was really in publishing. I've had a 20 plus year uh, career in publishing, started out at Glamour, was at Mademoiselle back in the day, um, have kind of done a little bit of everything. Before I was at Allure, I was the editor-in-chief and chief marketing officer at Nylon, But even way, way, way before that, 
I always kind of freak people out by telling them everything that I've covered, because even though in, in these days, people think of me very much about beauty, I actually have covered a really huge, enormous, wide swath of things. I have covered technology, finance, health and fitness, um, parenting. I was actually a cars writer for a very short time. I used to write, (laughs) yep, I used to write about extreme sports. And as wonderful of a life that beauty editors have, like we get wined and dined, you get incredible products and treatments and everything. Being a cars writer is really amazing. Oh, I met. Oh my gosh, the trips that you get to go on. I went on this incredible trip with Bentley at some point. Ferrari invited me to Italy. (laughs) I was like, okay, wait, maybe I, I chose the wrong career path here. Um, but yeah, so when I was at Allure, I was there for six years, absolutely loved it, really was not looking to go anywhere. I had a baby um, right you know, towards the last part of it. And then I got a phone call from the then uh, chief marketing officer at Netflix. And she basically made me an offer I couldn't refuse. The opportunity was just enormous. I've obviously looked up to Netflix for such a long time and you know, just love everything that they've been doing. So took a leap and said, you know, even though I'm, I'm super happy doing what I'm doing at Allure, let's have an adventure. And so the biggest thing for me was, um, you know, we were living on the East Coast. And again, this is like during the pandemic, Netflix was about to return to the office. And so they said to me, you have to move your whole family to LA. And I was like, oh my gosh, are we really going to do this? I've got three kids, you know, and even though they were doing virtual school at the time, it's a big deal. My oldest at that point was 16 and 16 is like the hardest age to move and like pick up across the country. So long story short, we decided to do it. Um, and I don't regret it at all. It was, it's been an amazing journey. The kids instantly loved it here. Like my whole family just took to LA so easily. Um, so I was one of the, the global leads of marketing at Netflix, wonderful job, learned so much doing it at the same time. It's a big job. I had about a hundred people under me who worked on multiple continents. Most everybody was in LA, but I definitely had some team members who were in Asia, et cetera. And so what that means is you're working really long hours. Um, It's a very, very big job. And so as much as I totally loved it, I also found myself really burnt out. And I've talked to so many people. And I mean, I don't know if you can relate to this too, but especially as mothers, right? We have so much going on. And so when you have this very big job, plus a big life and and everything else, it can kind of just feel overwhelming sometimes. And so I left there um, right around the holidays of this past year and frankly, just took a long break. <laughs> it was like, I said to my husband, when am I ever in my lifetime going to have a couple months where I can just do nothing? And weirdly, it's not my personality to not do anything. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm sort of like a busy person. I like to, um, I, I think I take after my parents also. If you spend time at their house, they're constantly on the move. Like they're cleaning something up, they're cooking, they're doing stuff. And I'm kind of the same way. And I, you know, again, my little one is now three. I just kind of forced myself to say, hey, let's take a day off and go to the beach. And actually, after a couple months of doing that, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, I just wish I could do this all, all the time. 
Um, and so after that, though, I did, you know, start to get back into it again and started to think about consulting and then also creating this agency. So like you mentioned, I formed Monologue, which is my new agency. And I really missed beauty, I will say. I Anytime, even when I was at Netflix, if somebody would engage in a conversation with me about skincare or makeup or hair or like whatever beauty topic, I always was like, I just sparked up. And and I have realized over the years that it is truly like that is my passion and I love it so much. And so when I created Monologue, I really wanted to do this return to beauty. And so I'm now I'm doing brand storytelling, marketing, PR, et cetera, um, for beauty brands and also lifestyle brands. That's incredible. I love, and I want to get deeper into it. You know, you talk about picking up and moving, convincing a 16 year old. You have a, what's, what's the middle age of your daughter? Yep. So now my kids are, my oldest is now 18. Oh my, my middle daughter is 15. And then we've got our three-year-old. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you have a 16 year old at the time, a middle one, a two-year-old. You move across the country, you pack up, you go to Netflix. Then you are like, oh my God, I'm burnt out. I have a hundred people. I'm never not working. So how did you become okay with that decision of, I just sacrificed a big life change for a job that didn't turn out to be what I thought it would be. And where do I go from here? And how did you get that sort of strength to do that? Because that 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 would be a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It is definitely a lot. I, through the years, have discovered that in my lifetime, things happen for a reason, right? And so it's always the hardest. I was just telling someone about this earlier today. When you're in that moment, it's really difficult to see that. And you can feel just this panic of, I often have had this panic of, if I am not working, if I'm not doing this, we're going to be homeless. We're going to be out on the street, right? You have like these really irrational, crazy thoughts. But looking back at my life, I feel like there have been these moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, nothing is working out. This is terrible. And in that moment, it's really difficult to dig out. But then in hindsight, a year, two, five, 10 years later, whatever, you realize that that was the greatest moment ever. And that actually opened up this huge opportunity for you to do other things. And so now I'm kind of at this point in my life where when something like that happens, maybe I still do panic occasionally, right? I think it's a natural human reaction that we're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? But I also trust that things are going to be okay because I feel like I am a really creative person. I'm really talented. I know amazing people. I feel like I'm very resourceful. And so even though I don't always exactly know what it is that I'm doing, because starting your own business is hard. Like no matter who you are, sometimes I think people look at someone who's successful and they're like, oh, they have it all together. They don't need help, but there's always something, right? Like even the most mundane kind of just like setting up um, accounting (laughs) practices or something, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not an expert at everything. And so part of it is just fumbling your way through sometimes. But I, I think that over the years, I've realized that what I really love to do is to be creative. And so to really just like roll up my sleeves and get stuff done. I I actually look back at my time when I was at Nylon um, as one of my most fun jobs ever because we were so scrappy. We had the smallest little team, the teeniest, tiniest little budgets, but actually just like sitting in an office together, just making something out of almost nothing 
is so fun and so gratifying sometimes that there's a part of me that longs for that. Yeah. Um, and so going back to my roots, I guess, and starting something from scratch has actually been wonderful and, and super gratifying. I love that you touch on that because my entire business life cycle has been being scrappy and people see the big brand and they think you have millions of dollars at your disposal. And you're just like, if you knew what, what how we did that shoot with like two mirrors from Home Depot and, <laughs> you know, like, and, and some fake roses spray painted red or whatever it is, it's like people would be shocked. And part of the fun is that. And then, you know, when I hear newer employees, like, well, there's no budget, there's no budget. Like I'm so used to it. And then sometimes I'm like, you know, that's where you get that creativity. That's where you get that, um, ability to think outside of a box versus, you know, let me pick the easiest button and the person who says they can do it all. So I love that you touched on that. Absolutely. And I will say, I have talked to a lot of people who are in media right now and the media industry for the past 10 years has been this roller coaster ride, right? Where, it's really sad because we hear all the time about publications closing or there being layoffs. And so I think there's a lot of journalists and media folks out there who wonder how their skills can apply to other fields. And so, um, again, I think for me, I have realized that journalism and working in media, it's all about storytelling and like applying that to working at a brand and marketing, PR, whatever it's such an applicable skill, especially as things like video, social media, right? Like all of this, all of these types of storytelling have become so important in so many different ways. And so I think I also have, um, I've become a really good advice giver, I think, to other folks in media who I'm like, your skills do not just end with these journalism jobs. And I also, I'm still a huge cheerleader for all things media. I think there's still such a need for it, for people to go to journalism school and to do those things, but also to realize that if you want to pivot into something else, your skills are, are super valuable in other ways. Yeah, I agree. So you when you decided to start monologue and and tell me if it happened at the beginning or a little bit in, obviously you want to put your, all the skills you have to use with brands, but did you find yourself saying, oh gosh, now I have to deal with HR and now I have to deal with all, like you said, opening up a bank account and, you know, invoicing, like, did that moment hit you or like, oh, I didn't sign up for this part of entrepreneurship or do you, do you like it? Uh, I wouldn't say that I like it. <laughs> There's There are definitely parts of starting up your own thing. I am not fantastic at doing the money-related stuff. I'll be quite honest with you. Like I said before, my, my thing that I love is creative thinking. Mm -hmm. And I love getting into a room with a couple people, bouncing ideas around, and just making stuff. It's the kind of like you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's part that I'm like, oh, I have to send an invoice. Oh, I have to sign this contract. <laughs> and that is definitely the part of things that, you know, initially, I think for a lot of people who start up their own businesses, you kind of go, oh, well, I can do all of this myself. Right. And so at some point I've, I've been doing lots of coffee meetings and stuff with other business owners. And at some point someone had said to me, you need an assistant. Like, why are you doing all of these things yeah. yourself? Yeah, I did. Um, one of my first projects that I worked on was this amazing shoot with Ulta. And I was like, okay, 
because I really love that spirit of rolling up my sleeves and doing everything, I'm going to do everything myself. And so I hired a photographer and between the two of us, we cast like 20 talent. We did everything. I was literally sending Uber codes to people. I was doing all the the calendar schedule, everything. And again, it was super gratifying because I was like, wait, I sort of love feeling like I'm like in it and doing it. But then at the end of the day, I was like, well, why was I doing that though? Like (laughs) I I should have hired somebody else to help me with all of that stuff. And in hindsight, I can look at that. And again, you know, the more things that I do, I'm certainly going to have help, but you just, you don't, you don't know until you know. (laughs) You don't know until you know. It's so true. So would you say that monologue has given you the opportunity to fuel your creativity, own more of your own time or less? Um, and talk me through how that has changed. Yeah. So when I was 25, I wrote a book and I was kind of my own boss at that point too. And back in those days, I did not own my own time because being my own boss meant, okay, you have to work 24 seven. So I was up super, super early. I would work super, super late. And I was just like hustling all the time. I think because I've been through that in the past of seeing how being your own boss, you actually can can lose yourself very easily to, to workaholism. I made a pact with myself this time that the reason that I'm doing this is that I want to have more control over my life. And by having more control over my time, I need to make sure that I never get to the point of, let's say, taking on so many clients to work with that I just don't have time for myself. And at some point, again, you know, this kind of comes through age and wisdom and other things, I guess. I've realized, why are you working so hard, right? Like, what are you working towards? You're working towards having a life that you really enjoy. And so if you're working so hard that you actually can't enjoy anything, what is the purpose of it? It's not to acquire wealth. It's not to acquire more stuff. Like, I would love to be able to spend more time with my family. And so- why am I waiting until retirement age (laughs) to do that? Right. I should inject that time into the now. And so, you know, one of the big things for me for monologue is that when it comes to marketing, social PR, et cetera, there's a lot of agencies who, you know, they cut, you get it, you get sold on like this big idea from the senior staff. And then you eventually kind of get shoved to the junior people. I don't ever want to be like that where yeah. for me, it's really important that my time is I am available for people as well. And so it's hard, right? Cause it's sort of like, you could keep growing, growing, growing. I've had a lot of like, you know, brands reach out wanting to work with me, but I'm also trying to be very selective that I love founders. Like I said, I, I love beauty, but I also love founders at the time that I started at Allure we were sort of at this like great time of beauty founders starting up. And so I feel like I came up in the industry of like, you know, beauty at the same time that a lot, a lot of amazing founders did as well. And so I have this very strong affinity for them. So when I'm having meetings now with various founders and, and folks from brands, I really love hearing their stories and I want to help them. Mm-hmm. And there is sort of this like great connection that I feel with some of them where I feel like that's what connects me and says, okay, I want to work with you. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you think, I mean, the beauty market and watching the rise of, you know, brand after brand and business after business and skin and hair and the, like nails and like, it's, it's to me overwhelming. Like how many more can there be? But that every day there's a new one. Do you feel like, what do you feel today stands out to you? And, and what makes a brand like when you have your eye and you go, oh, that, that one. Yeah. I mean, it is so different from when I started at Allure right? Like we have absolutely had this incredible, incredible explosion of not only beauty brands, but products and categories. I remember when I first started at Allure, we really only were like, the two things that did well for us were makeup and skincare. And we used to say like anything else, like if we wrote about fragrance, if we wrote about hair, body care, et cetera, it kind of was like just, you know, paled in comparison to skincare and makeup. So the fact now that there are so many other hot categories that fragrance, for example, especially with Gen Z and like the younger generation has really taken off in a big way, just shows how much beauty has like really entered like the the mainstream for everybody. I am not a believer that we're done though. Like I I feel like I talked to a lot of people who are like, we're stuffed, we're at capacity, we can't fit anymore. Yeah. I actually think now is a great time for somebody to come in and still innovate. Um, for example, I'm a big nail fan. I still think there's a lot of room for somebody to come in and to innovate on nails because for the most part, a lot of people who I talk to, they love looking at nails and they love looking at nail art, but they're like, I can't even paint my own nails at home. And so there is like a lot of space there still. And I would even say still in, in skincare, um, there's so much more room for innovation on like tech tools and other things have really taken off procedures, even skincare, um, even taking an ingredient like retinol or vitamin C, there's still a lot of room for us to kind of grow within those categories. That being said, a lot, a lot has been talked about how, you know, there's been this gold rush of celebrity beauty brands, let's say. I do feel like at some point there's going to be a cap on that where there will be a couple that really rise to the top. I think Rare Beauty obviously has been such a success for Selena Gomez. Um, and then some of the other ones probably are going to end up just like shaking out at some point. Yeah. And there has to be a bubble that bursts in some way. Right. So the one thing, um, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm curious. When I get home, you know, as a designer and wearing clothing all day, like I just want to like be naked in my rattiest and ugliest things that I don't want to be. I don't want anyone to ever catch me in. And I'm curious with you, are you the type of person that, gets home and you're just like, it all comes off and you just are just like this, or you still continue your routine? I still continue my routine. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I, I hear you on the clothing. So on the clothing, I'm like, give me my bathrobe and yes. sweats or like whatever. Yeah. When it comes to beauty, I may not always do makeup. That's the one thing, right? Like on a weekend or something, if I just want to relax and I'm just with the family, you know, I'm not really wearing makeup, but skincare always, I think for me, I have extremely, extremely dry and typically dehydrated skin. So if I took off everything and didn't do skincare, my face would feel so tight and uncomfortable that it's always a matter of comfort for me that, um, you know, the, the thought, for example, of sleeping, falling asleep without washing my face and having like makeup on or something yeah. horrifies me, <laughs> I, like would never do it. And so it's more of like a, um, it's a comfort thing for me yeah. that I enjoy actually going through that routine. Maybe if I'm super, super tired, I won't do as many steps and I'll just, you know, wash my face and then put on moisturizer. But I feel like I always have to have some sort of skincare on. I love that. So this is a special episode which which we've just sort of touched on the beginning of the skincare routine, but it's called in her skin dot, dot, dot care. So I'm sure everyone wants like, you're the Holy grail. You've seen it all. And when we, before I started recording, you're like, you actually don't have a, a set routine. So what is in your lineup, I guess, today, this week, and what have you recently loved? Yep. Um, yes. So like, like you said, I do not have, or like I said, I don't have a a skincare routine because I have so many different things. I don't think that they were the first people to coin this, but I remember talking to the glow recipe founders about having a skincare wardrobe. Mm. And that's really what I subscribe to. I love that. It is similar to your closet where on any given day, it's sort of dependent on the weather, your mood, where you're going, right? Like you choose your outfit based on a bunch of different factors. For me, similarly, when it comes to skincare, I'm choosing depending on how I'm feeling, how my skin looks, what I'm, where I'm going, um, how much time I have. And so there are always kind of like consistent things through the years. Like I said, I have very dry, dehydrated skin. So I didn't know that until I was a little bit older. I always thought I had very oily skin because everybody kind of gets oily around like their nose and maybe forehead. And so I was like, oh gosh, I must be really oily. So I was, when I was younger, using the most horrific stripping, like drying products ever and just messed up my skin. And so it wasn't until I realized, okay, wait, you have actually very dry skin. I think I saw a facialist who told me, um, and I switched a lot of my products to be more gentle, more just creamy. It made such a huge difference. And so now I do a cream cleanser morning and night. Um, You know, even if, I know there are a lot of people who don't wash their face in the morning. For me, I like to just have like a a nice clean slate. Um, I use the La Roche-Posay like gentle cream cleanser. It's not foaming. And I think again, like for for folks who are used to having like a nice sudsy (laughs) like cleanser, it can feel a little bit weird. Like you're almost just putting lotion on your face, but it has really made a big difference in my skin. I always, or not always, I usually follow with some sort of a a hydrating essence because again, my skin is incredibly dehydrated. So I find that splashing something on my face that's like very liquid and then sealing it in with a a moisturizer has helped to really hydrate my skin. So right now I've been using, um, there's an amazing clay de peau. They call it lotion, but in Japan, actually lotion sometimes means more an essence. So it actually is like very watery and and clear. I occasionally will switch that off with Cosrx uh, snail mucin essence. Have you used snail before? 
No, is it snail? It is snail. So it is actually, you know, how if you watch a snail, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. On by yeah, yeah. and they yeah. leave that little trail of, like, you know, slime, <laughs> it's, it's that. And so what they do is they collect it and it has incredible healing properties. Apparently, I think this is the legend that there were like these snail harvesters in Japan way, way back in the day. And they had their hands in like the snail mucin. And then their hands were coming out looking like amazing and hydrated and beautifully moisturized. And they discovered that there are these incredible properties in this natural snail mucin that are really good for your skin. And it's a natural source of hyaluronic acid. There's a little tiny bit of glycolic acid in it too. And so, you know, this little pump bottle basically of snail mucin essence feels slimy and it feels a little weird at first, but it's really fantastic. It really hydrates. (laughs) I I know that it like grosses some people out, but it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, For moisturizers, this is the place where it's like, I use a whole wardrobe of moisturizers. Um, I really love Revive's moisturizers that have SPF in them. I'm a big fan of the Augustinus Botter um, Rich Cream. I know that there's the other one too, but because my skin is so dry, I really love the Rich Cream because it is just like super hydrating and moisturizing. Um, I also... I know there's been a lot of talk recently in the skincare scene about the barrier, like the moisture barrier. Mm -hmm. I also, because I use a lot of actives, I'm very concerned about that and wanting to maintain my moisture barrier. So I've been really loving, there's a moisturizer by Ulla Henriksen that's called Strength Trainer. It's in like a little purple jar. Love that one. It's like very thick and creamy and just at the end of everything where you just like slather it on is like an amazing thing to, to do right before sleep. Um, what else have I been loving? Okay. Face oil was something that I didn't really discover until later in my life. Because again, I was like, I don't know, do I need oil on my face? I had a a makeup artist at some point put face oil on me and she's like, no, you should always wear face oil. And so over the past, I would say like five or six years, I have really become a fan to the point of where I have to put it on twice a day at least. Yeah. And so if you think about face oil as that like final step, I do it right before for day, right before um, sunscreen. It's really beautiful. And there are a lot of amazing formulations now that don't make your face look greasy. Um, yeah. yeah. And then always sunscreen during the day. I think that out of everything, if anyone can just, you know, wash your face, hopefully every day and wear sunscreen, it will make the biggest difference in your face. For me, I really go for mineral sunscreen because when you have um, dark spots and melasma, mineral is, is a better cover for you. I just tried a new one that uh, someone has sent to me called Lightsaver. So it's a tinted SPF, really beautiful. Like I'm so excited now that there are so many more like good mineral sunscreens because yeah. I don't know if you remember but like when we were kids, everyone would like do, you know, you think of mineral sunscreen as that like white strip down your nose of like yes. the zinc. Yeah. And it's a paste. It's like really thick paste. Terrible. And a lot until recently, that's how unfortunately a lot of the mineral sunscreens have been. So now the fact that they feel really cosmetically elegant, it's it's a great thing. Well, that explains why you look 22 and you have an 18-year-old because you have that before. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> I'm curious. Does having an 18-year-old inform your advising of these companies? And I'll share with you this. I have a friend who has a hundred over a hundred plus million dollar beauty and wellness brand, 
but her daughter won't come near her stuff. She found her daughter, like her daughter was breaking out uncontrollably. And then she like went into her closet and found she was buying all this like really terrible grade, like drugstore cosmetics that were causing her to break out. And it was because her mom stuff wasn't cool. So I'm just curious, has, <laughs> has your daughter helped shape, or daughters, I should say, because 18 and 16 shaped your, like how you tell brands how to navigate Gen Z and Alpha? Yeah, um, definitely. I feel like I, so my, so my 18 year old is my son, but um, we definitely talk about things like through his friends, et cetera. And then my 15 year old, my 15 year old is like just starting to get into beauty. Like she was really not that into it, but she has a couple of friends who are very, very into beauty. And so whenever I'm driving them somewhere, I'll kind of be like, Hey, so out of curiosity, <laughs> what brands are you guys into? And they're yeah. my little focus group. And it's it's yeah. actually wonderful to see what's resonating with them. And funnily, I mean, this is not a secret because I think it's become such a huge thing. But among that age of like 15-year-olds, you know, teenagers, they all are obsessed right now with tinted lip balms. And so they love Summer Fridays. You know what I mean? It's like all that stuff. And then it was actually through that little, you know, focus group where several years ago, I was like, wow, fragrance is really going to take off for this generation because it was that Sol de Janeiro. Uh, they had like, you know, those body mists. And the fact that my my teenager was like, oh, mama, can we go to Sephora to get that? I was like, how do you know about this? And she was right. like, TikTok. And so I do feel like through them, I learn of a lot of different things. And obviously, you know, my daughter sees a lot of the products that I have. And it's it's interesting to see what on my shelf she wants to pull off and, and use for herself. <laughs> yeah, I bet that's fascinating. So my last two questions for you are having, and I'm going to make it more specific than I usually do. So normally I ask my guests, you know, what is one thing we'd be surprised to know about you? Um, but I'd love to know with regard to your your journey as, you know, for all the careers you've had, right? To now founder, agency, um, what is, what has been the most surprising thing to you about that journey? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, the most surprising thing to me is that in the beginning of my career, and even as a kid, I never would have considered myself to be a risk taker. And I didn't see myself as someone who would ever be, I guess in, in, in the eyes of teenage me, I would look at me now as being really, really successful and as being a leader. I never in a million years thought of myself in that way. I was, you know, as a kid, super, super shy, super quiet, even up until my early twenties, I would say when I first started entering into the workforce, I was like that woman who was like happy to kind of just be there, and like be in the corner and you didn't I, feel this way at Allure when you're like the editor in chief of a major. I, I did. I, I did okay. at Allure. I, okay. I I definitely by that point I would say up until I was maybe 24. Okay. I was like would never have thought in a million years that I would one day be an editor in chief. Right. I would one day be a global executive at a major company. Right. I never had those aspirations. I never saw that in myself until I was maybe about 25. And somehow the confidence kicked in. And I think that I started to see in myself, oh my God, wait, one day I could be a CEO. I could do anything. And it was a little bit of this, like, you know, you impose certain limitations on yourself. Sometimes you put yourself into a box 
And that has been the most surprising thing to me has been not even saying like, I wasn't a naysayer and saying, you can't do this. You can't do this. I just didn't dream big enough. And so now when I look back at what's happened in my career, like I really do feel like I have done so, so much. And I think I would really surprise my, my younger self. I love that. It was so good to reconnect with you and thank you for doing this. And I'm so excited. And I have an idea I'm going to bring to you. Hopefully you don't turn me down. Ooh, amazing. I'm so excited. So lovely to see your gorgeous face. And I'm so happy to do this. This has been wonderful. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next